quickly remind you that we'll be taking a break next week. There will not, we want to remind you, will not be a Wednesday Bible study next week. Um, can I just be honest with you why? Well, Lily is graduating from Please forgive me, but uh, I am wanting her to have that much fun. So, my granddaughter is graduating from high school. Come on over now. Uh, I, I figured Jesus would have been here by now. You know what I'm saying? But as you remember last week, I attempted to speak on verse 6 of Psalm 23, but we got as far as, as Shirley, <laughs> Shirley just stopped us in our tracks, that woman, I'll tell you what. But surely goodness and mercy, if you remember correctly, take a look at it, surely goodness and mercy shall, and remember how we dealt with the word, we'll talk about it again. The word follow is really relentlessly, you know, when you just say follow, it just sounds like somebody's pacing, like one of your kids, right, or a dog. No, this is relentless. This is the only time outside, the only time, in, especially within the Old Testament, that it's spoken of in a positive way. Usually it's all negative. In other words, usually it's, it's a destroyer who's after you, who hunts you, who pursuing you. You're always looking over your shoulder. You can't shake it. You can't grow. That's what this is. So surely goodness and mercy shall relentlessly pursue me all the days of my life. And again, that's a massive statement when you consider how David wrote this psalm. Remember that I said he wrote this when he was being pursued. He was a, he was a refuge. He was being pursued by his son Absalom. And we talked about how all that came about and, and the mess David's life is in and as dysfunctional as it is. And he's basically within hours of death unless there is some huge divine intervention. So he writes this psalm. And if you can feel it, when death is literally breathing down his neck and, and all of the people, you know, that, that are turned against him, they 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 just they've been disillusioned by him because you've got, you know, Bathsheba and and the death of her. Everybody knows what's going on. The the whole family's a mess, but it's his son seeking to kill him. On top of it, he's pushed him out of the kingdom, and David writes, "The I am the Lord. I am is my shepherd." And at the end, what he does is he sums it all up with this, surely. And remember, that, that, that oath of God, that, that covenant oath that cannot be changed by the very being of God, surely goodness, loving kindness. And as we said, again, follow where everywhere else in the New Testament, it's going to come down on you. But... 
In this case, it's used as the pursuit of goodness and loving kindness. So again, follow is a focused pursuit. And that is standing between him and Absalom. And you're talking about what's standing between him and Absalom, Absalom, his son, (laughs) is the pursuit of God's goodness. Goodness. Truth is, I'm probably going to be a little extreme here, but the modern believer today does not know the goodness of God. They really don't. We don't really believe, truthfully, the the goodness of God. And honestly, it dominates the scriptures and is presented to us as, as the key of the very life of God, to know his goodness. If, if you don't know his goodness, you have no foundation to stand on, period. And yet, what I find with most believers is that most believers have been trained in doubt. Coming from religious backgrounds of our Western world, we have been subtly trained in doubt. To doubt the goodness of God. We find that we have been trained in suspicion. To be hesitant. In fact, terrified of saying anything that might suggest that he is good and only good and is only pursuing us to do good. There's there's like some sort of fear inside of us that makes us feel like, well, maybe we're just going a little too far. You know, the result of that is we're cautious and we back away and we give ourselves what I call, and I'll be careful, a little wiggle room. And we certainly try to give God some of that wiggle room too so that we don't have to, you know, say it, that that God is limitlessly good we we never have to say that he seeks only our good under every circumstance and place because you know that that's dangerous what if you say something that doesn't happen (laughs) so we, we we bring what we do is is we bring in our wonderful christianese phrases you know what i mean such as well if it be his will. What a way out, you know? In other words, I said this, yeah, but, you know, I can't believe that his goodness would go so far or that far. So I'm going to give him a way out if it be his will. And we have separated instances in life out, you might say, that is, Maybe too much for the goodness of God to reach. That goodness doesn't, you know, go there. It's just, you know, so so we have been trained not to expect it. We can't expect the care of God for us to come to, to where we're living right now, to where we're setting, to where things are at. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'm not out to condemn us. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, get out the hard hat. You know, but there are, are many whose faith 
began with fear. And that's how it all got started for them. I find that many came to Christ because they came <laughs> terrified of hell. And that's how they arrived at being a Christian. They have an innate fear of the future in hell. And so people who panic and become depressed and, and usually give up because they're terrified of making a mistake, they, they, you almost find that they want to keep their fear so that they won't go back to certain behaviors and, in essence, trying to accomplish this in their own strength and in their own ways with God being absent from it. That's not true in the Bible. We've walked through, for example, we've walked through this past pandemic, you know. We can forget it's pandemic. It still has its effects with us. And with Christians, I'm going to get in trouble here, but I'm going to say it anyways. I found many Christian responses was the rapture's here. And we're facing, honestly, let, let's add on onto the pile, right? Let's take a look at right now, can we? And, and the fact that we're facing wars and rumors of wars, Financial inf inflation, a nation that has become unleashed morally and completely in disarray. I mean, we're living in a world today that is a mess. We're afraid of what is happening, and, and, and we got to get out of here. So come, Lord Jesus, come real quick. And I understand that, obviously. I want them to come. But in the Scripture, it's not getting out of fear, it's about getting, it's about goodness getting me through. I want you to grab that. You know, it's goodness on either side of me. It's goodness that sustains me. It's goodness that's, that is holding me, not, not, not let's get out of here. Look, that's the fear. And when you stop to think about this, what on earth, I mean, just, just picture that person right now, the fear, the fear. And, and I say that because what on earth do we have to offer anybody when we're in those kinds of states, right? And, and nothing but fear, it's, it's, it's all coming to an end, right? And we got to get out of it. I feel like we're supposed to walk with one of those sandwich signs that says, the end is near, right? And... So we walk up to somebody and say, you know, we're sharing, I want you to have what I have. No, thank you, my friend. Look, it, it says the goodness of God leads us where? Anybody? To repentance. The goodness, look, and, and you know that word repentance is not, well, it's not a religious word. It's the, it's the Greek word metanoia that means a radical change of mind it's not talking about what was me i did wrong okay it's a change of mind it, it's a metanoia that the goodness of god leads to a radical change of mind it's the goodness of god that does that i mean look at it in romans 2 not knowing that the goodness of god Lead you to repentance? Look, we, we have the mentality that repentance leads to goodness. 
It's his goodness, friend. It's his tendencies. It's his goodness that leads us to repentance. Repentance doesn't lead us to goodness. His goodness leads us to repentance. We've got it backwards. And when we have it backwards, it destroys the very foundation concerning our assurance with him. Look, if your salvation began with fear, it's got to be sustained by fear. Sunday service is not meant to be going through condemnation all over again. Every Sunday, come come to worship to get beat up. <laughs> oh, man, I, I remember growing up in church, getting beat up in the pew and making 537,000 trips to rededicate my rededicated, rededicated, rededication. When all God was after was my surrender. That was it. And I say this again, that, that has nothing, when I, when, when I talk about, you know, Sundays, sometimes it's as if to come to church to get beat up is the only way to keep us straight. We always got to have fear, always thinking that my next step, right, might damn me, might put me away, and, and they've, got to, they've got to keep me on the straight and narrow. And, and I'll just, I'll say it, that has nothing to do with the, old, with the New Testament. Even the Old Testament says that goodness and loving kindness, it's the very foundation of my life, and it pursues me. So what I'm saying, to be honest with you, is to bring us back to faith and the glorious goodness and the unlimited goodness of God. I'm talking about a solid foundation that we cannot be moved from. David reveals not only here, but in all the Psalms that he wrote at this time. Because he wrote a number, look, what's interesting in these Psalms is many of them are Psalms that we, we never forget. We know these ones. And Psalm 23 is the leader of the pack there. But take a look at Psalm 27 right there. He says, the, it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When the evildoers come upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumble and fall. The host encamp against me. My heart will not fear. The war rise against me. In spite of this, I shall and then at the end of the psalm, he tells you how he can say that in verse 13. He says, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. Where? In the land of the living. <laughs> he said, that's how I can say that. That's the foundation. It, it, it is the same thing that he says in Psalm 23. It comes through as his key. This is how he lives. This is how he can be confident. This is his assurance in the middle of the worst of circumstances that he's walking through. God is good. Now, where have you heard that before, right? The New Testament says God is love. Remember what the is is. <laughs> it's the only way I can put it. I mean, 
We tend to say that God has love or that God is loving. It doesn't say that. It says that he is. When you said it, when you say is, it comes down to your your very being. It's your essence. It's your isness, if there's a word like that. It's 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 in the same verb conjunction that you have the phrase I am, or I should say the name I am. I am being the very name of God, but Again, in the same conjunction of verbs here, is, is part of it. So God is good. God is love. It's not speaking about an occasional attribute, right? It is unchangeable. That's who he is. Well, the scripture says that God is good. God is good. It means that he's always, whether in circumstances and in all places, he is unchangeable. Therefore, as a result of that, and I hope you grab it, I can trust him. That's who he is. He is. Look at 1 Chronicles 16. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. It's not a behavior. It's who he is. He is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. That means that the foundation of all praise and of all thanks, its its foundation is that God is good. Deuteronomy, then the Lord your God will prosper you abundantly in all the work of your hand. In the offspring of your body and in the offspring of your cattle and in the produce of your ground, For the Lord will rejoice over, I'm sorry, the Lord will again rejoice over you for good. Now, let me just say this. The word rejoice here means to leap in the air and spin around. Could I get somebody to demonstrate that for us? Okay, so, but can you imagine the triune God is spinning for sheer delight? That he's had opportunity to be to you all he wants to be and and is blessing you? Probably not. But that's what this is saying. Look, it's actually, and listen to me closely, otherwise you're going to misinterpret everything I say. But it's actually materialistic. He prospers you and then he gives you the list of the offspring of your family. The offspring of your body, your cattle, and the produce of your ground. And he says, in in the whole business world, I want to invade with my goodness and rejoice as I see you rejoice in my goodness. Again, look look at Psalm 27, 13 there in in your notes. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. And again, where? In the land of the living. Not not in the land of the dead, but in the land of the living. Right? In other words, right here and right now. He said, I would have despaired if I had looked over here or if I had looked over there. No, 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 no. But it was this that kept me. (laughs) 
Let's take a look at a couple of them here real quick. Uh, Psalm 38, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Good and upright is the Lord. Surely, <laughs> there's that word, surely God is good. And I like the last one here. The Lord is good to those who are obedient, to those who don't make no mistakes, who are perfect Christians, who have earned his smile upon them. No, no, no. Remember what we talked about last week? He pours out his rain on the just and... It's not a matter of God liking some more than others. You get the feel of this. This is what I'm after. So, so what does good mean? Okay? When I ask myself that question, I'll be honest, I, I kind of still dumb. You know, good means, I know it's not in your notes, but I'm going to give it to you. I think they're in your notes. Good means good. I don't know another word to say instead, okay? We say, like, you know, it's a good day. He's a good person. Uh, what do we mean by that, right? Have a good day, yeah. Or, or that looks good on you. Oh, yeah. What is, I mean, what is this that we're really talking about? I, I kind of know what you mean, but we're talking about a very nebulous idea here. And, and honestly, we're talking about the very being and essence. What we're really talking about is, again, that the very being and essence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I better know what this means. What is good? First of all, it's relational. Remember that. It's a foundation. It's first of all relational. Good, good is not to be understood as a rather vague niceness, okay? God is good and God's nice. No, no, goodness is something you do to somebody. Do you get that? If, if you're really going to bring it down to what it means, goodness is something that you are to another. It is something that you actually minister to somebody. There's, there's always a connection that's there. It's not a concept. It's not a virtue. If God is good, he's going to get in your face. There's a connection. So God is good. God is good in the Old Testament is now brought to its fullest expression that God is love in then the New Testament. Because you hardly read of that love in the Old Testament. But Jesus to reveal to us that love, okay, and to be that love, and in so doing, he brought, he brought goodness, everything really that goodness means under the great umbrella of a word we know as agape, the love of God. And again, love is relational. You can't love somebody in a vacuum. Hello? Love demands another person to be loved. It's relational. That's love. So love, agape, goodness, 
originates in the personal relationship with the Trinity. Now listen to this. When, when we talk about love and, and what is love, I just, I, I just can't go to the dictionary. What I have to do is go back to the Holy Trinity, and it is the way the Father is to the Son. It's the Son's response as a result to the Father. It's, it's that Holy Spirit who, 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 who that is all of that. I mean, it, what I'm saying is that they, it's the relationship of God inside God, and that is relational to limitlessness. That's a lot of words in one phrase. But God created us. And, and, and <laughs> I, I had this little talk with, with somebody last night. And uh, the reason he believed that God created us and a few other odd things. And I just looked at him and I said, look, God created us in order to love us and to be good to us. His opinion was God created us so that we would learn how to obey him. How's that working for you? <laughs> I mean, I gave up on that a long time ago. For me, that's living for God, not living from God. Big difference. But uh, again, it was, a, it, was a, it was a nice conversation. We broke bread over it. And then we beat each other up with it. I'm just kidding. I'm having fun here. But, but let, me, let me say this. That's the beginning of goodness. The, the ultimate relationship is to re well, Jesus. Jesus is God from God, correct? And from God means that everything God is, Jesus is. He didn't overhear it. No one taught him. He is it. He is the goodness of God, and he brings that right inside our humanity. That's the beginning. And, and, and I get into this and the wonder of it and the amazement, and you begin to stand outside of yourself. and you're, When you begin to really let this play out, that God's goodness is God being that to us. Whoa. Look, it's not a disconnected idea that God is good. Oh, I know. It's, it's got to happen in every area of our daily living when I'm threatened all around, you know, and, and when everything is falling apart and, and things are, are crumbling and, and being destroyed around me and I'm getting the bad news about this or my health or my problems or my job. or look, He is good. To me, he is good to me. Look, it, it's spoken of as a personal energy. It's it's where all things work together for what? <laughs> that word there in the Greek language is what? Energia. Uh, energia, I'm sorry. It, it's, it's, it's energy. Goodness is not just, oh, I got some good little plans for you, young man. No, 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 no. It means, it, it, it is that there is released into your life and work and mind and imagination 
there is released a created energy that is goodness. Look, God's own goodness released into you. I, I love I love the scripture. It, it is it's 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 Philippians there. It says, "For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good do you realize that we are an energy field of goodness I mean look at your neighbor they're an energy field goodness is not some sort of religious museum okay where, where you look at it but you know and, and it's in a case it means that it was for somebody sometime a long, long time ago. And, and you know, and that's a, and it's very interesting to look, but don't touch it. It's disconnected from where you live. Because you stand on this side of the barrier and you're looking at this thing in, in the museum and discussing how it must have been, you know, this marvelous thing that was said, but don't touch it. His goodness this this energy friend is personal with the face of Jesus in the holy spirit this goodness causes wonder that is the wow i would say of the gospel that's used over and over and over again in the gospel it's it's amazement you see it written all over the place uh, i'm going to just point it out to, uh, are we Really and truly amazed at God. Are we amazed at the triune God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that actually resides where? Inside us. And we residing in Him. gospel describes it as the father who is giving good gifts to his children. Now think about that, really. When you give gifts to children, you do so with the eye of seeing the delight on their faces. Correct? I mean, I love, I, I love those times. Not just my kids, but my grandkids. And watch them get excited. But the most defeating thing is to watch them get this and then toss it aside. I didn't want a bike. I wanted a lipstick. Okay, you know. <laughs> Look, when, when you give to children, it's, it's really the delight of giving that's reflected in their faces for something that is in one sense not even necessary, but it brings delight. They don't need it. They, you know, they, they're not going, oh, socks, hallelujah. No, no, it, it, but but it, it, socks are necessary, but when you give them something that's not even necessary, it brings that delight. Understand, he gives good gifts to his children. 
Why did Jesus feed the 5,000? They weren't dying. They weren't starving. Yeah, you're hungry. I get that part. But you're not starving. But Jesus seems to have delight in feeding them in a divine system, I call it. The message there is that he likes you. He wants you to have a food with, with you. He wants to have food with you. So he, he, he multiplied the bread and he multiplied the fishes. How about the new wine? Or how about the wine? I'm sorry. How about the water, the wine? I'll get it out sooner or later. The wedding feast, remember? The wedding feast runs out of wine. It, it could have gone on. The disaster that's referred to there is superstition. The, honestly, take a look at these people. Do a little research. You're going to find that they were very superstitious people. Their superstition was that if you ran out of wine in, at, 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 the, at the marriage, uh, at the wedding, then the marriage is dead. And interestingly enough, Jesus joins them in their superstition. Because he loves them. Do you understand that? There's no time for discussion on the evils of superstition. So he gave them 180 gallons of water. Yeah, some uh, Alcoholics Anonymous needs a package here. No, thank you. <laughs> no, but, but understand what's going on here. Do, do you remember it says at that point he showed off his glory, for that is the glory of God, that he loves us in the minutest ways of life. E even when we're, we're crazy enough to have the superstitions that we have, it's okay. I'll join you where you're at. That's our God. He doesn't expect us to rise up. He, he comes to where we're at in the midst of it. And then things begin to move. You can say good and uh, at times, right? We use the word good and it actually sounds kind of wimpy. Well, that's, that's good. <laughs> but stand back and think for a minute on the fact that he has given to us the span of goodness. That is his glory. I mean, stop and think for a minute. It's amazing. Don't get lost in how the English language actually depreciates. Moses said to God, show me your glory, the radiance of, of, of your unspeakable emphasis of, of your glory, who you really are. And what did God say? Yes, I will. I will cause my what to pass? Your goodness, my goodness to pass in front of you. Your goodness? That's who you are? Never would have thought of that. But God reveals it to us. And I come back to it again. I, I, I still haven't really said what good, goodness is, just, just sort of. So what is goodness? Because honestly, it covers such a multitude of expressions. It's very hard to put a finger on it. We need a lot of things behind that word good. But I'll say it again. It's very nebulous because what you think is good, I might not think of at all, right? You're, you're, you're going outside and it's just 
pouring down rain and mud and lightning and, and, and it was just a bad day, right? But the farmer down the road is going, clapping his hands, dancing on the road. It's a great day. It's a good day. Well, I don't even know what the word means then at that point. What is goodness? It's describing the very person and the action of God. It's describing what's taking place inside our lives and therefore what is the highest and the best and the most glorious because it is God acting inside of us. Good. Goodness is good. I know, but you're interrupting my preaching. Okay, ushers, would you please go? Look, it's describing what's taking place inside our lives. And therefore, what is the highest and the best and the most glorious because it is God If it's the glory, if it's the sum total of who God is, I mean, so it, it would include a lot of other words. That's just it. It would be very much like love. Remember, love is what? Patient. Goodness is patient. Impatience is because we're locked into time. You don't believe me? Ask the guy sitting out in the car on Sunday morning still waiting for his wife to come out. <laughs> With God, there is no time. He invented time. He is above time, and he has all the time in the world. Therefore, if you don't get what I'm talking about tonight, it's okay. He's got all the time to love you and show you his goodness until you get it. So stop being impatient with yourself because goodness is patient. Goodness, love, is kind. Do you know what the word kind means? Kindness is being useful. That's what it is. That's the meaning of the word. To be kind is to be useful, and, and it is love being just what I need it to be right now. Does that make sense? It is love just being what I need it to be right so now. So, so when you're, you're, you're kind to the old person and help them across the road, right? That's exactly what they needed right then. You're, you're sturdying the arm. You're, you're kind. You're useful. That's the idea. Goodness is useful. Goodness comes just where I need him to be, and he is just that. I think sometimes we speak of God as if God begrudges giving us blessings, you know, and, and, and uh, why those get it and I don't get it. 
it's as if he hands them out very grudgingly because, well, you know, you might get too much. Don't want to get too much blessing now, do you? You also know that love does not brag, correct? That's why we're having such a hard time, I think, with this because God never brags. He, he reveals who he is. But it's the pagan God that says, don't you just grovel and grovel, you piece of dirt, you. Well, the pagan says, come down and praise me because I have a servant. God never says that, does he? Because he comes down there with you and says, would you please, you know, kindly get up so that we can talk face to face. Goodness is never showy. He doesn't have a magazine with pictures to show us how good he is. <laughs> In other words, he's not arrogant. He doesn't come boastfully of what he's done. We look back and we say, you know, on things, where did that come from? And what he's done is he snuck into our life and he was good. And, and as he's pulling back before you even notice what was happening, you're, 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 you're just, it's just, he doesn't act unbecomingly. He's not rude. And he doesn't make an idiot out of you. He's not arrogant. He's kind and he's gentle. He's patient. How many can say thank you for that one? I mean, I mean, you can bank on that. He will never be any other than this. He doesn't seek his own. We'll have to glorify God. But the fact is, he's seeking to glorify you. Do you realize that? Again, he's not arrogant and, he, and he's not provoked, which means really in plain English that he doesn't get, he doesn't get ticked off at you. He, he, is, he is not forever annoyed with you. He's never, ever picking or fussing over you in a negative way. No. He's good. And, and then again, he doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. What? I mean, I thought he kept a book of everything I ever did wrong, and then one day he's going to read it to me. But it says in the scripture, I mean, what, what does love do? Take a look at it, 13 times there. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered. So he doesn't even remember what you've been through. Think about that. How about you, though? Gosh, that's good news. And, and you can say, surely, surely. On the oath of God, this is who he is, surely, as he talked about last night. And, and what about Galatians, right? And, and the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that you know, he brings with him. He's got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. That means that that's all a part 
of the family where you have goodness, where you have love, where you have joy, where you have peace and kindness. That's God. That's God. Kind, gentle, fullness of compassion. So, so when Jesus described himself, how did he describe himself? I am the good shepherd. And, and then he went on to say what a good shepherd looked like. Always associated with dumb sheep. <laughs> Going where the sheep was is what he did. And having compassion on the sheep. And then putting it around his neck and carrying it home. Oh, goodness. Tender. It's another word. That would be a good word to describe the shepherd on the, on the side of good. Tender. Such love. It's, it's, a, it's a tender love. There are some people that you wish would stop loving you. Hello. But whenever they do, they let you. I mean, whenever they do, the reason I'm saying it is they want to let you know, hey, you know, I prefer the tender love, the, the, the mother love of God. Goodness. Goodness has locked into it the idea of bountiful. It was a good harvest. It means there was an abundance. It means in one way of translating, it would be a wealth. It would mean richness and fullness. Always. Goodness brings that. I think in some ways we've been conditioned that God will never, ever, ever, ever give us too much. God wants you to live. Well, we're not going to get into that. But let's be real. You know, I mean, it's like, it's, it's like, you know, well, God probably had a hard time giving you that much, and there's always a feeling of it's not enough, and uh, maybe that way, when we think that way, we're holy. In the old days, that meant, I don't know about you growing up, but it meant that instead of getting a new pair of pants because you ripped the old ones, Mama whipped out a patch, and she patched it on your on your jeans or your pants. Get it? You had to pay for that, you know? The word good has written into it ample supply. It has written into it your desire fulfilled. Would you understand me if I told you that God is not on a budget? Goodness means extreme. He always gives more than enough. Now, here's the big problem. Everybody around here is conditioned to think money, 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 money. That's not what I'm talking about. Do you realize, let me get into this, that, that, that his blessings are always too much, first of all. You have leftovers to shower onto other people. Do you remember the feeding of the 5,000? Right? That's the goodness. Goodness is fullness. Let me say that again. Goodness is fullness. Do, do you remember at creation, he saw that, 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 that God saw that he had made and, and he had done it every day. He had did that every day. And at the end of the day, he said what? It is good. That is good. That's good. And when he saw all that he had made, he said that it is very good. What does he say? He's saying it's whole. It's, it's everything I intended it to be. 
It's a head of cabbage according to the blueprints, right? There's nothing wrong. It's whole. It covers everything in terms of wholeness and health. So, so Jesus, Acts 10, take a look at the scripture. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. That's good. So there is a personal force. There's an energy working in us now that is always pro-wholeness. It's always to bring our spirit to its fullest potential and to open our mind to receive revelation of God, to send your emotions into the joy and to get into every cell of your body and be your health and strength. That's goodness. Surely (laughs) that's your goodness. Look, if you wonder why I keep saying that, okay, just listen to last week then, okay? Because it includes the idea of prosperity because sometimes we, we can make this so ethereal that it's of no use. The goodness shows up. It's God doing, it's God doing love for us in the oddest places. There is a verse in the third epistle of John, and in verse 2, where he is praying. He's praying. And he says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. Okay. That word prosper, it doesn't really mean what it means in English today, because English prosperity could mean that you just had a really good bank account, right? Biblical prosperity, especially the word used here, it speaks of an inner prosperity that comes up through your whole being and then affects every part of your life. So you are prosperous. Look, it was described by people in that day that this word would be prosperity on the road. Say that with me. With me, Prosperity on the road, right? They used it to describe traveling through life as a journey. That was the idea. You're on the road, but you'll travel with success. You'll be prosperous as you move through life. That means that it will be unexpected. Goodness will unexpectedly drop in your life as you travel. And, 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 uh, and our normal mindset is that something, you know, oh, man, it's going to go wrong. You have to check all the possibilities because that's the way it is. It's Murphy's Law, right? Please get rid of that. He says, on the road of life, you will be successful in your destinations. All will go well. It, it, it would mean that you will look back and say, like, remember Staples had that, that little button and you punched it and said, that was easy. That, that's the idea. You're constantly aware of goodness. You're constantly aware. You're attended by goodness. It isn't just certain places that you may have favor or you have a life where your, your hassles and, and troubles 
have always got goodness. Let me put it to you this way. I don't care what you're in. I don't care what you're going through. Because we're all going through it. We might not know everything the person beside us or in front of us is dealing with. But I can tell you this. That you have goodness there to walk you through. It covers health. It covers your work, whatever that might be. It covers your family relationships in joy and peace. That's where it shows up. Covers money. Yes, it, it does. It covers material stuff and possessions. Everything you put in your hand from this inner place where you, with one with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, actually eat and taste of goodness and then expect it and, and take it like it's, it's just picking a ripe fruit from the tree. Now, like I said, please, mm, yep, good. It means also attractive. Again, we use that, that, that word like, you know, uh, I know, I'm, I'm good looking, right? You know, just, just don't call me that, please. It's, it's a way of, of, of saying attractiveness, but that is reflected as well in, in look. Goodness is pleasant. Goodness is, it, it's plen, plentiness. It's like I have a good feeling about this place. It's pleasantness. It, it's like I have a good feeling, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's, got it's got plentiness to the senses. It, it's something that is, is, is harmonious, that it actually produces a song inside. And goodness produces melody in life, friends. It produces, look, therefore, let me just preface this again. Goodness produces melody in life. So according to Scripture, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in what? Psalms and hymns, songs given by the Spirit. In everything, give thanks. Now, that's a life. You're not giving thanks to God for something. You're giving God simply because God is God. What, what were they doing in Acts 16 when they, they were in the dungeon? Remember Paul and Silas? They were singing out loud, but they were not saying, Hey, Silas, if you just sing a little bit louder, we might get this thing done, you know? Or, or we're confessing our deliverance here. So let's sing so that the walls will fall down. No, they were singing praise to God because, God, you're so good. I, I, don't, I don't know what aspect of his goodness they might have been singing about because I'm on the outside of that, obviously, and, and it doesn't look good in there at all. But they did. And I think the fact that the walls fell down was the biggest surprise they ever had. I mean, they weren't doing it for that. Goodness comes to you from the ages of ages. It, it has the fullness of God, and it, it, it brings pleasure and delight, and there's no harshness, there's no bitterness. It's your life. 
Why do we call it good news? Because this is what this news brings to us. You see, faith is waking up to this, if I can put it that way. It's an awakening to what we are saying is true. Unbelief is contradicting the revelation of and putting the brakes on. It's putting limits where, where there are no limits. It's denying his goodness. It's, it's, it's holding him in suspicion that I'm, I'm not sure that you're going to be this or, or you're going to do that. I, I can't rest my life on that, right? Because and, and, you just might let me down. Faith is awakened and awakened to the surely, the, the, the possibility of unchangeable. This is who God is. And the good news is that he shares this with us. He has, and I'm saying that past tense, he has brought this to us in Jesus. So we have a met, metanoia, a, a radical change of mind that we now expect this in the best sense. I say that, and I'm going to say this, and it might upset you, but I'm trying to make it sound, I don't know how else to say to the point, the assuredness, the surely, you can actually take it for granted. And I'll say it again, that's not always a good expression. But this time, I, I want to say it is, because I can, I, I, because it has been granted to us in Jesus. I can take what's been granted. And that's probably maybe the hardest thing I've said tonight, because all we want to do is, is present our alleged goodness to him to kind of get him working kind of thing. But he is good, which means he owns his goodness. Grab that. He, he's not selling shares here, friends. There's nothing ever that you or I can do to make God good. That's because he is. We think that if I do something bad, he'll stop being good. No. You and I, we, we condemn and judge, but remember, God comes with us, and he's going to bring us back. He owns his goodness. He gives it to anyone he wants, and he's wanting to give it to all of us. We have reduced God's goodness to what he does and have forgotten that God's goodness is who he is. And we judge God. We define his goodness by what he does or doesn't do. So you say, well, you know, I, I, I wanted this or, you know, whatever, but if God was good, he would have given it to me. You call God good when this is going on? Well, you know, whatever the problem, you know, honestly, at that point, we've missed it. God is good. And, 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 and we trust in his goodness. And he will walk with us through whatever circumstance that we are in. And along the way, yes, there will be delight on his face as he surprises you. But we don't. We don't hold the cards. We don't say, if you don't do this, then you're not good. Uh, 
good. It's the same thing the devil did with Jesus, friend. It's his favorite strategy, if you know what I'm saying. So many people fall for it. The father said to Jesus at the River Jordan, do you remember? The father said, this is my beloved son. Six weeks later in the desert facing Satan, Satan says, if you are the son of God. If, if, this is if, if you are, then do a trick or two. I think I could believe you're the son of God if you just turn those stones into some bread. And, and to make a bonus, you put butter on it, we're sold. Jesus says, what? But Father, my Father has spoken. That's the end of it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. And, and I'll be honest, we still hear it today. It's all around us. If, if, if God is good, then why this? Why is this happening? Why did that happen? Meaning, if you're good to us, God, do a trick. Do a trick. Then I'll believe you're good. Have you ever depended upon your GPS to get you somewhere? And find out that when you get where you're going, your GPS isn't even showing it? Do you realize that there's that in life there are no maps? The only map that we have is Jesus, who said, I am the way. And the Holy Spirit is my immediate guide and the goodness of God. And in that, he walks me through it. It's not me throwing out a challenge and saying, if you do this, then I'll do that, and, and say that you're good. Goodness doesn't do stuff and say, now, are you satisfied? No, but goodness has come with me and said, I'm going to be your guide. We are going to face this together. David said it in the psalm already. This, this is a summation of the psalm. He, he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. He didn't say that if you don't deliver me from the valley of the shadow of death, I won't believe you. No, he says, we're going through. We're going through. David said this, I'm trusting you. And you're taking me through. Look, goodness takes you through. And on the way, does the most delightful, the most unexpected things. I have a, a, a friend that, uh, again, is Lake of Texas. And uh, he would go on journeys over into Africa and the different jungles. And he was ministering to some tribes in, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the country he was in there. It, it really doesn't matter. But he had been out with a guide, and the guide was bringing him back. There no maps of anywhere, but they were, they were coming in. They were getting back to the camp, and as they stopped at the edge of this forest, there was this huge field, and you could see the campfire on the other side of the camp. But the problem is there was this, 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 this thick grass, and they called it elephant grass, and for good reason. There were 400 wild African elephants 
in that field between them and that camp. Well, you know, you're just going to have to go around it. No, said the guide. You follow me. Well, and you know what they did in order to get through it? The guy said to his fellow Israel, the guy gets down on his belly and he starts crawling to the ground. And they are crawling around on huge armored systems. You can imagine this. I mean, in the past. And, and this guy, I mean, you got to hear him explain it because it's just this. It's like kind of unexpected, right? I think many would address those elephants by simply saying, I rebuke you elephants. You're out of here. And, and we just walk through the field then without interacting. No, but in, in the scripture, yea, though I walk through the valley on my belly through a herd of elephants, I will fear no evil because you are with me and you know what you're doing. Does that make sense? I mean, you hear it all the time. Is God a sibling? But that's not the point. Human life is a continuum, is it not? You never know what's going to happen. That's humanity and that's who he is. But the fact is, God became one of us, joined us at this flesh level and at this brain level, and, and, and he had joined us and, and one with and he's joined one with us and he's brought with him the fullness of God who is good. So now at my human level, I can participate in the goodness of God and we walk through. And it's the valley of the shadow of death, the valley of of the shadow of death is the valley of the shadow of death, right? But I'm different. I, I'm, I'm now di- because I, I don't I don't fear no evil. Why? What's gotten into us? Because you are with me, and you being with me, you're my goodness, and you are ahead of me, and behind me and under me, and in me, and I arrive on the other side. Where did that peace come from? I mean, can I say, let me just say this. If, if, If you deny the goodness of God, you know what you probably end up saying? Something like, oh man, what a coincidence. Boy, Was that a lucky day or what? However, God will just look and smile because he loves you enough to be patient. One day we'll realize it was all his goodness. One day you'll realize that you were attended by an army of good angels. Remember, he owns goodness. You can't buy it. So it's not your goodness that keeps it going. It's not even you realizing his goodness. Thank goodness, in our worst, he still loves us. And what's going to be the result every time? We'll go through it. We'll go through it.
Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to our hearts and lives. Thank you for the way that you continue to make things real to us in ways that, Holy Spirit, the way you, you just bring to our amazement and mind revelation and light. I, I pray that you will bless each one in the opening of their eyes and understanding to know, see, grab, understand goodness. You are that goodness at work in our lives. Surely goodness and loving kindness will relentlessly pursue me all the days of my life. Be blessed with that, I pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Yeah.